Greetings, and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Today we have with us uh, Engine Enhut, is from Germany, never mind the name. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a new favorite game of mine, which uh, is called Minute of Islands, right? Yes. Yeah, Minute Hello. of Islands. So, hi, thank you so much for joining us uh, and sharing some of your time with us. So, Anjin, before we kind of go into like the nitty gritty and I start uh, telling great things about your game because I played it last night a little bit since I was traveling, I, I had some time to kind of get into it. I really enjoyed it. Um, can you maybe tell a little bit about yourself and maybe do a little intro into your studio? Yeah. Like where are you guys are based, where are you doing? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm with Studio Fitzpin. Um, we are a, a, a small to middle-sized German studio. We are located in two cities in, in Germany, Ludwigsburg and uh, Berlin, Germany. Um, and uh, uh, Minute of Islands is is uh, our third uh, big in-house production. We also do some contract work. Um, we uh, this year we also released uh, a game called Say No More, which has like an old Dreamcast sort of art style, and um, we are also going to release a first-person adventure. But uh, Minute of Islands is like the big thing we have been uh, working on for the last two to three years, uh, g g give or take. Um, Studio Fisbin's um, first projects were point and click adventures, which um, explains a lot about um, how Minute of Islands looks, I guess. And my role in the project was a game director. So um, I was responsible for bringing all the ideas and creative energies of the people together and kind of like direct it into a cohesive thing hopefully creating something that is more than just the sum of its parts. Um, and I'm also um, one of the writers of the game. Um, yeah, okay, um, so yeah. It's great that I have you here because I have a lot of questions about that. So, um, Did you finish the game? No. I OK. You I probably have more, like more questions when you finish it. <laughs> I, I still, I, I think it's still, still like in the very beginning, but um, it's captivating. Cool. Um, so my question, I guess, is what were like the, um, the main ideas or like the key concepts that, that kind of kickstarted this whole thing? Like, you know, like usually something starts with like a, a movie or an idea or some kind of an image. So what was the thing in this case? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a collective process. So the game originally started um, with a game jam. Um, so Tim Gatke, our art director, who was like mainly responsible for the visual style of the game. Um, he's also a published comic book artist. And um, uh, during a game jam, 
um, one of our other uh, directors discovered um, uh, a, a comic he published in a zine and uh, was kind of like uh, interested in the main character of that comic, uh, which has nothing to do with what the game later was, but there was like this spark and the aesthetic of the character in it. And so they um, had a quick game jam um, trying to find uh, something to bring several ideas together. Um, a lot of people involved, um, since we are German, we have quite a relationship with the North, uh, North Sea, right? So that's a bit of like this where the, the, the island aspects come into it. And then from that, um, uh, it, it developed under uh, Marius Winter, who was the first director of the project, who then later moved on to make Say No More. That's why I was taking over. And uh, the interesting thing is that um, in, in that phase where, where Marius was working on it, there was a lot of themes and story ideas and also like this huge amount of uh, concept art we did. And... Um, which was not very top down. So it was like everybody could bring in their ideas and stuff they feel could be aesthetically intriguing. There was always this tension between the cute art style and kind of like um, disturbing imagery that was always in the DNA of the project. Um, and when I came into the, into the picture, I took all these things and then um, basically wrote a script around them. So, um, and that's where then the, the final game finally got its, its uh, marching orders, so to speak, so we could start churning out the content. Mm. So, this is a very interesting idea. So, basically, you have a bunch of, like, visual styles and, like, different elements, themes, and then you kind of connected this with some kind of story that is around it. So, yeah. uh, I'm going to share some a little bit of my... Um, like impressions. So when I first, uh, as you as you mentioned, and at the beginning, we did cover it uh, before. Like so, uh, we really like the way the art worked, and the animations, and all those like little little details everywhere. It was a very interesting concept. And then I launched it on my Switch, and I started playing, and it in instantly reminded me of uh, another game, which is called Below, like mm -hmm. an indie title. And it also starts, but it, 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 they start a little bit different, but the whole this, they kind of push you into this world where you know nothing about, and then you kind of start swimming, you know, you learn how to do stuff yeah, and you walk around and so on. So I'm very interested to, to know how did you guys manage to figure out this world in, in a sense that nothing is clear but it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the thing is, um, the, the, the main character, Mo, right? She's at home in that world. So she already knows everything, right? She's, she's always like ahead of you. You as a person who is now following her, um, you are... Um, that there's no POV character for you, right? So usually in these kind of like big, uh, sometimes like um, fable style adventure stories, the main protagonist is also the person who has to learn about how the, that world works, but she is already in there. And that's that's the device we, we use. So we we constructed the, the the relationships of the characters and, and the environment and how these giants that are part of the game, how they affect everything, what the 
what the spores mean and and all these things we constructed it around um around mo as um she experiences them and then um you are along for the ride so she already has a relationship with the giants she already um has a personal relationship with these toxic spores that are threatening the island and are always a threat and uh, she knows all the npcs already she never meets any new person during the game that's so um and this is how we how we decided to present the 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 universe to the player so and this has holes because um she mo is also not explaining stuff to you she, you have to just follow her and and a lot of things are we, we treat them as as given right giants exist period so there's no we don't need have any explanation about 500 years ago this happened and now there's giants or if they are aliens or something you can fill it up that's not the important part the important part is that they're here and what they mean to the main character and um you are along for the ride that's how we structured it do, do you feel like um it was challenging for you guys to build because uh, the story is great i mean when i kind of started getting into it it reminded me of a play you know like yeah a, or or a short story or like or more like a play like it's something for the theater right if you would yeah. go and uh, it kind of works it's not even the movie like it's more intimate it seems to me like because there is like this narrator who's kind of talking to you and explaining things yeah and it's, it's, it's more me. yeah yeah, go yeah. Ahead. No. It, it's it's more about more it's it's more like a person, or also like this fixed camera, which which makes um, Mo kind of like and, and all the NPCs like actors yeah, on the yeah, stage yeah. and things yeah. like that. I yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can I can relate that interpretation to the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So and the the other thing that I um, really enjoyed it, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of those mm, like sci-fi books and. Um, I don't want to say fantasy books because uh, there's so much young adult stuff right now, and uh, yeah. I, I don't think it has nothing in common. But in a way, it's like a it's a very good. Um, you're drawn into this world. That that's like a that's why I made this connection with Below because it's another game when I was in, almost instantly drawn into the world. Yeah. Like you're you're kind of there and you want to go explore and figure it out and um, like. This, you know, learn what's here and what's there. So can you talk a little bit about the way you guys decided to design this whole thing? Because it's like this dying thing where I don't want to spoil too much so people could go yeah, um, yeah. and buy and play it. But there's like a, a lot of those, like the, the fish heads and then there's underground and there's this idea with these giants. And it's kind of like on this organic cyberpunky kind of, feel very weird i mean when when i when i saw the, the art style I, I immediately thought it it was made in Berlin because it it, it it had these you know vibes from like the you know club scene or art scene and we know like berlin is a very artsy city yeah. there's like a, a bunch of artists there and you can go in any like little hole in the wall and there is going to be an ex, ex some kind of exhibition there and people are going to be drinking wine and talking about pictures but um can you talk a little bit about your approach like how how did you work out this 
the look of it, locations, the islands, and all the magic that's kind of okay. around. Yeah, um, like previously mentioned, it started with a very like free form, almost like jazz jam session thing so people could bring in whatever ideas they had and it was then later my job to kind of like find a structure for it and the main hook is that the um, something which which you will discover when you complete the game because uh you you ain't seen nothing yet so there's like really crazy stuff going on in the later parts of the game like really crazy um and everything is structured around the 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 journey like the emotional the internal journey of the main character so um uh the the the, the way the technology of the giants looks so alien and so obviously not human made is like one of those decisions which is made so that uh, mo our protagonist can feel like um, can feel like very special and also kind of separated from her her human relatives because she has been like chosen to wear this omni switch which is like this magic staff with the red orb right and she has been chosen by the giants and the 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 technology technology needs to look incomprehensible for a human so that separation is stronger and her feeling that she is kind of like alone in this it has to to now do this alone now that the giants um have stopped um protecting the islands um with their machines so these are the kind of things and um the the underground areas you know like you start the game waking up in your bed but it's not in a house on an island it's like 500 meters below in these um um hr geiger style catacombs right so and this is to illustrate her separation from the human from from any human connection she earlier has and these are all the decisions that kind of like when you have like the choice to do to do like uh, future technology this way or that way or this way you have to like make a decision and that's where the direction comes in and says okay what what are the feelings we need to support and 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 what is actually the stuff we want to say not just what looks cool so that's for example where the the alien look of the um machines come from um and and there's there's plenty of this stuff uh, for example the fact that um not every npc is wearing a full covered face mask this was also a decision because it always depends on how strong the connection to that character is supposed to be these are all the 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 um the decision we made and every every time there was um mo at the center also the narration for example um the narrator is quite unreliable because sometimes the the narration talks in third person about the about the characters sometimes it's kind of like relaying what is spoken or thought and it's 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 always in a way and it will also change during the game and it's always in a way that you feel the most what uh, mo is feeling in that very in that very moment um when it comes to the um to to the the art direction this is mainly because uh, tim as a comic book artist um early on decided to to go like full comic book look even though it's a video game and this sounds like something many games do but very few games actually really do it um there's some for example some stuff that um the the weight of lines like how thick they are 
is 100% maintained throughout everything we produced in the game so that it always looks like it has been drawn in that very moment with by a comic artist using the same pen right so we don't use cell shading for example everything we have uh, all the animations are 2d like even if things look 3d we build um we're using spine which is like a skeletal animation software right and even that is actually sprite based where we have like some sprites are just lines so we can move them around creating 3d effects without squashing them so these are the um this is like the 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 level of of um care um Tim uh, kind of like burdened the art team with um, during the production. So yeah, th these are the, the two things basically. So how, how big was your uh, art team? Because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of art in the game. It's like, a, it's a game about exploration, right? Yeah. So you have to, you go from one place, like from one island to another island and each island has a bunch of different locations and then there's underground and all this stuff. And um, I'm wondering, Everything seems unique. Yes. Like all the elements and assets and so on. So I'm wondering how many people were actually involved in the development and the art production. And uh, maybe there were some interesting solutions that you used. Like you mentioned applying like the, some of the skeletal animation software yeah. or some other tricks that helped you kind of reduce the time that is required to build the content. Yeah. So I would say that on average, there was like four to five artists per month working on this for over two years. So that's just an, some 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 average. Um, uh, the, the interesting part is like you mentioned, things don't seem to repeat itself. Um, uh, usually how 3D and 2D games are made is that you pr produce assets, right? Graphical objects, and then they are assembled in, in the level editor. Like we use Unity and then a level artist puts them together, maybe like some tweaks and lighting and stuff. Um, what we did is when you look at an island, it is actually one continuous multi-layered illustrations. So a multi-layered means that uh, the character can go uh, behind stuff, right? So that's more, more 3D. And um, these illustrations are ginormous. So um, for example, they are way too big for Photoshop files. So we had to split them up sometimes up to like six Photoshop files just so the, the Photoshop could open them and save them. And uh, then they are uh, seamlessly tiled. And uh, that that's create this, this sensation of things not repeating, but it also removes this sometimes like almost invisible but still their feeling of things being assembled right when you have uh, like a regular 2d game things are being assembled and they even if you have like nice transitional graphics and stuff like that it always feels a bit put together and what our artists were able to do since we were drawing all of the of the of, of each of the islands from top to bottom just freshly drawn is that they could um really ramp up the storytelling and the way objects feel like they have been aging in the same place, right? So when grass grows on top of kind of like discarded furniture, for example, you see the grass also growing onto the, the rocks and up the side of the house and things like that because they aren't assembled. They are drawn in, 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 in one go. So the artist could like sometimes 
put things um, a bit at an angle or uh, stick them into the ground, um, have like tiny storytelling things. Because um, in other games, uh, for example, if you, I don't know, if 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 you want a, a second type of wood wooden barrel you want to have in the scene, it needs to go through the asset pipeline. But uh, for us you can draw as many different barrels as you like you can have them damaged you can have them open closed um you can have like mushrooms growing out of them whatever because it's your canvas you can fill it however you want this also on the other hand uh is is um binding you to a layout right so when you have when you feel like okay i don't know like this platform needs to be two meters to the left and then you have to go into the Photoshop file, find that area, cut out the platform, move it to the move it to the left, and then there's a platform-shaped hole where the platform originally was. So you have to paint that in because um, it's not assembled. So there's a bit of trade-off there, but um, we basically gave the artists um, full control over the environment design, like our 2D artists, which is a, something. Um, that felt right to us because we were previously developing uh, point-and-click adventures with have like these complex illustrated uh -huh. backgrounds, yeah, but yeah. in a much smaller scale, right? What about the what about the way the gameplay changed? Because uh, as you mentioned, like your uh, your previous games were more point point and click. Yeah, and um, those games are also very heavy on story and kind of like figuring out the world and all those elements, but. Um, you you kind of changed this and you kind of moved into a different direction here. It's there there are still puzzles, but it's um, I mean, I would say more relaxed. They're not as like you know yeah. quest heavy, and uh, there's also a lot of explorations. You just jump around and kind of check things out and so on. So can you talk a little bit how you decided to fit the gameplay into the world and so on? Because there, there are different ways that you can approach it. I know that, uh, like, uh, when Nintendo was building um, the next, when they're building Mario games, like the like Super Nintendo and, and so on, first they come up with mechanics. Yes. Like uh, on this level, something's happening. Uh, the 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 protagonist can do this, and then we build a level around it to kind of explain how you can manipulate. So, what's yeah. your approach there, and how do you do it? Um, it was um, the the gameplay serves a narrative purpose with um, how we do it, um, and we know, like we reread the reviews. Um, for many people, the gameplay is a bit too flat, right? It's it's there's the challenge is not high enough, and the player agency is not high enough, and we understand this um, uh, because it 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 serves the narrative purpose, and it's mostly about traversal, like what what you mean with with exploration, right? It's mostly about finding your way through these environments because it's a story and set piece kind of uh, based experience. So um, this is where all the gameplay was in in support of, um, and the the puzzles are more about interacting with the environment. So you can like touch it and you can manipulate it, which makes it kind of more real. But also this idea of um, these places being abandoned, right? So the infrastructure is broken. That's what the most problems you are solving are kind of, I, I don't know, like, okay, so there's no ladder here. How do I improvise a way to climb 
up this area or I can't go here so how can I go around things like this this is the the sort of of puzzle we need to do because um, it's about like a deserted group of islands with only a few people left and um, we wanted to illustrate this um, this abandonedness which is also like abandoned places places are not very heavy on I don't know like things happening they are calm right um, and they have like this sometimes like eerie or oppressive nature because you don't know how safe they are or you kind of like are, are kind of like try to think or feel what this place must have been before and these are the sensations we like really wanted to to bring to the forefront so that's why um there's real-time control um when you do a point and click adventure um it's it's not direct control you kind of like click and uh, which is sending a command to your character so he can walk over to the point you clicked. And now we have like direct controls, like running, jumping, climbing, things like that, which is something that to us felt more immediate and more connected to the environment. Um, simply, as, as stupid as a sound, but simply you're not using a cursor. Your character is the cursor and you're moving through the environment. That was one of the big decisions. And then we developed a solid climbing system because we wanted verticality. So we don't uh, want our islands just to be strips. You go from left to right. We wanted mm -hmm. a lot of verticality. Um, and then uh, just a handful of types of environmental interactions, which are usually um, things you press or push or pull and then there's a connected reaction in the environment like calling an elevator or opening doors and stuff like this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i got you um so let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your work with the publisher and uh, how did you kind of come up with a pitch for this game it's not a it's not a game for you know about roses and uh, sunny days it's like a very i mean a, a darker story right about although it's like fun and interesting it's still it's about trauma about like very heavy yeah. topics and um i'm wondering how do you sell it to a publisher because when you know publishers are all about business yes and, um, what are you what do you tell them like what is the target audience like what's the price going to be like how does how is how did you work with them okay so i i think we um mixed vision our publisher right um was like the potentially best publisher to go to in that very moment because they were um we are part of their first games uh, games and they pride themselves on being a narrative games driven publisher so there was a, a lot of kind of like convincing already done thanks to what they were looking for right so um we 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 pitched the game to them and to a certain degree the atmosphere um already sold it to, to, to a certain degree. Um, since the, the, the story was kind of like developed during the production, it was not part of the pitch. It was more about atmosphere, specific themes, um, and of course the, the, the look of the game. Um, and then uh, they, they were kind of like along for the ride um, following our ongoing design decisions. And, um, and we are very happy to, to ha have that uh, be very supportive, uh, have the publisher very supportive on that front. Did, did you guys start with some kind of like a vertical slice that you had 
or uh, um, gestural concept art and um uh, i i know there was a pitch book and um th because this was uh again i like i i, I took the the project over um i know that there was a pitch book and we built a prototype um thanks to funding from the eu but i'm not sure if the prototype was um was used for the pitch actually but I, that would make sense but i'm but i'm not really sure um the the game already kind of like pitches well with uh with um with the with the pdf with the pitch book um since we also had like the previous games the inner world series where like we're getting awards for and you could play them and they already showed what kind of like production value we could deliver um we that was of course a big uh, part of um the publisher giving us their trust on the product so, and how did you uh, how did you approach marketing this game like did you did you directly go to press? Did you try to work with maybe an agency? Did you go to events? Because it was a very challenging time, I think, yeah. when there were no events, basically. And you kind of had to do everything online. So I'm very interested to learn how did you kind of find a you know, way out of it? Yeah, um, so uh, th this was mostly in the hands of the publisher. So that was um, that was what, what they were doing, and we that's where we were kind of like along for the ride. So um, we did a lot of um, social media work because um, we think that even snippets of our game are kind of like telling people if they like it or not. So certainly, like you, you, you see if it's something for you or not, right? If you if you look at footage or at a, at a GIF or something, so this is something we 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 did, um, and then our publisher, of course, did the the usual press kit things going on. We have multiple trailers out, um, and uh, uh, the announcement was in two thousand nineteen, I think, uh, and then uh, there at Gamescom, people were able to play the first version. I like the which was kind of a vertical slice of one part of the island um and then uh this year i think we also launched the demo which is like the first 45 minutes depending on how fast you play of the game you could get on steam and uh then a lot of um smaller things but again that was mostly part of the um work of the publisher do, do you remember what were like the first player reactions to the title and the gameplay and all that stuff? Are, um, are they of any rec relevance to you? Like when you're, uh, when you oh, they are of massive relevance because um, it's so, so when you're a comedian and you write a joke and then you, you work on a show for one and a half years, you no longer feel that your jokes are funny you don't like when we work at the game you no longer feel what the emotional impact is you have like this idea but you have to maintain the trust you have to like just uh, you just have to complete your work and go out like no don't get distracted by new ideas just stick to what you have planned and then finally being able to get like fresh eyes on it and 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 genuine reaction was like super super important um for us to to give us some validation for what we have been um, for what we have been doing, because um, you forget. 
<laughs> you, you forget uh, the excitement you originally had when you did your first layouts and and uh, your designs, and then you spent like over a year turning already decided on design ideas into like a playable environment. Yeah, I hope people like it. And there's just um, there's just this kind of like relief and confirmation when. Um, you see it on uh, on on uh, when you see pop people play it. And sometimes yeah, there's yeah. also a bit of 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 of, uh, of cringe because um, especially with like puzzle games or something, you always feel like you want to do some backseat driving because you know the solution, and then you see someone like walk in the wrong direction, go like, oh no, please don't walk into the wrong direction. No, you have to go right. And but that's of course not representative for the player experience the players exploring so but um that's also um a feeling involved here yeah yeah i think it's very challenging for the team as well because as you said they've been working for on this like for a couple of years they have no idea what's going on anymore and uh, showing it to the players kind of like validates it, this whole effort and gives it power Yes. Yes. Um. The 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 Gamescom um uh, demo um was like almost one and a half year or just or a year and a few months before we were uh we we completed the production. So it it really um validated a lot of things we were um planning on doing and gave the team a lot of of energy. It was good timing to show part of the game for us as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your your work with different platform holders? Because yeah. you published the game on a bunch of different systems. Um, how did you work with like Sony? How did you work with Nintendo? Was it difficult or not? Like, what was your whole experience like? What did you like or dislike about this? Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't have that much. Um, Inside, um, the working for the Switch is always an issue because um, it has like significantly less power, and even though it's a 2D game, um, it's quite expensive on the on the on the um, on, on the graphics hardware um, because of these huge graphic objects we're constantly loading and 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 unloading to give this illusion of this one huge island, right? So there's a lot of um, uh, assets the game needs to move at any given moment. Um, so uh, porting it to the Switch was uh, was not easy. Um, we we worked with an external porting studio called Massive Mini Team. They did the porting for us. So they were mostly uh, involved in like they had most of the technical hassle, um, which was unfortunately not. Um, not not our thing. Um, and when it comes to to uh, any sort of deals and communication, it was mostly the publisher or the producers who had to um, had to 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 tackle things. Um, overall, there's no um, big uh, anecdotes about like huge problems or things that kind of like went out of line or something. Um, but we also don't like we didn't want much. We have a few achievements, and it's a single-player game. You play from start to finish. There's no multiplayer component, um, so let's go. So. Um, your microphone is off. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. 
it's not a real call if uh, somebody doesn't say you're you're on mute. Uh, <laughs> so now we're officially launched. Um, so did 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 you feel that um, maybe you wanted to when you were building the game? Did you have any problems kind of figuring out in which direction it's gonna go? Whether you want to have it as a, like a single player adventure game or whether you wanted to you know to build it more into like a multiplayer project and so on that was, or build yeah. dlcs or something like that because i'm asking this from from the point of view of like pure economics yes and uh, i had this conversation with a bunch of uh publishers and uh, game developers and so on so I'm wondering, what's your look at it, and how do you kind of value this? Yeah. This so yeah, well, let's be real here. It's a niche game. Like so, it's um, there's it it was never destined to reach like some like huge mainstream gamer audience. It's it's uh it's story driven. It has uh, a very um unique but also like off mainstream look, um and and so uh. There was no pressure for us in the team to kind of like make the most market value out of it. So there was no, no, never any talk about any DLCs or microtransactions. And the game itself was conceived as an adventure, single player adventure from the very moment of its inception. So there was never any discussion of, I don't know, like finding ways to squeeze out additional money or prolong it's it's yeah, like or, or any any sort of service yeah. or something like this now yeah i'm, I'm i mean it's, it's pretty straightforward right because if you build a, a game like this and you start selling it you, it sells for a period of time and then it stops i mean you can do maybe some discounts here and there uh, take part in different sales but it's not that you're kind of keeping this interest forever and uh, trying to do yeah. more stuff. That's why I'm. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. This. It, but, it has its um, window. It has its moment, and then eventually that mo like like the release year, maybe there's a bit like like there's like tiny spikes maybe here and there because of a sale or an award or something like this, right? But um, there's this like the big the big beginning, and then it's going to kind of like fade out and kind of like noise in a very low mm. spectrum yeah during during this whole development process what did you feel was the biggest challenge like what, what, what were the things that you were kind of fighting most with um i think the the biggest challenge was um actually scoping the game um like mm -hmm. really like identifying um how how much we need to produce and um how long that will take um and 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 um how to kind of like turn it into a neat package because it's not just about like making more or less it like it needs to have like and the story has an arc and the arc needs to land right so um these restructurings were were quite a challenge um when uh, when we uh, first uh, had this thing uh, announced and it was uh, at Gamescom and playable, we announced it for the quarter of the uh, for the um, first quarter of 2020. That was our first announcement, and we published it over a year later. So the scoping and actually um, um, 
wrapping production up so that the the story has everything it needs, but also not more than it needs, um, which was the bigger problem, actually. There was just too many ideas. Um, that was uh, a big challenge. Um, I really recommend for teams to to build like a really representative vertical slice very, very early in the production, which was, for example, that thing we showed at Gamescom was like a vertical slice, mm. 17 minutes of gameplay, but gameplay without any major aspects missing. There was even like voice acted narration was already there. All the puzzles were there. Um, basically all layers of visual effects were already there. So just really just build it. And then um, then uh, it was uh, after that, it was like really easy to identify how much like a unit of game will cost. Right, so you could see like, okay, it's it's ten minutes of game. How much did it cost to produce? And then you were able to to kind of like um, scope the game in accordance to your budget and to your needs. And then we decided to expand because um, there was uh, we 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 believed in the story and what we wanted to produce, and so we expanded it. And it's actually quite massive because considering the fact that. Um, there's there's barely any acid reuse. Um, the underground areas have acid reuse, but the the islands itself have barely any, right? So it's really, really like it's it's hours of freshly produced content um, for yeah. for like four four or five hours. So um, that was quite a massive undertaking. It's really a lot of content, um, and I think if we had made the game in a more traditional asset catalog style of way, I think it, it it would be different, not saying worse, but but it would be different, but it would also have been much cheaper. Um, so yeah, that was the big challenge was to to see like what the game we wanted to make actually entails uh, and then forming uh, a, a strategy to bring it to completion and to have the game feature everything we wanted to have. That was the that was a and, big challenge. And do you feel like the players right now they appreciate it? Do you, do you feel like they see the effort that goes into the game, and are they willing to kind of support it with sales and so on? Um, uh, I won't talk about sales because uh, our publisher is going to to <laughs> to send someone no after me if I if yeah. I if I do this because that's their prerogative to talk about it. But I can tell from the reaction that um, even if people disagree with our gameplay choices, um, that they absolutely appreciate uh, what we have built and uh, the, the the stuff you can explore and discover. And I really, really believe people have not played a game that is built that way and that feels um that 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 delivers um in that um like this massive scale of really unique and intertwined places to discover and this density of detail and environmental storytelling and things um in the end it was worth it it was like super exhausting and expensive but uh we believe it was worth it okay well engine i think you kind of gave a little bit of piece, piece of advice to like a, a fellow indie developers, but if you could summarize, what would be your like 
main things not to do when you're developing a game if you're talking to the, your or colleague from Europe or United States or anywhere? Like, what are things not to do? Um, don't fall in love with ideas in your head or sketchbook. Fall in love with ideas you can actually produce to completion. Because in the in the end, that is what is going to to make the difference. Um, sometimes you can produce much less than you would like, but sometimes also a game would be bloated and unnecessarily full of stuff if you realize everything you want to do. So really think hard and do research and build stuff and learn from it early in the production so you actually know what you want to build and not just what kind of ideas you love that's the the i I mean it's we knew that before it's like it's usual wisdom like ideas are cheap right to a certain degree so um but um yeah learn from our mistakes It's just <laughs> I think it's a great way to kind of end this podcast. So Anjin, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate it. I love the game. So if anybody wants to check it out, uh, I'll leave the link in the description to our YouTube video and you can check it out on uh, Steam and all the other platforms out there. So thank you so much and uh, have a, a wonderful year of sales, I guess. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the um, to to the uh, AD level article. I am an avid reader, actually. Ah, great. Oh, we try not to disappoint you. Thank you so much. See ya. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. That was great. Bye. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the AD level roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.